Sale, guys, it is absolutely wonderful to talk to you again. It's my absolute pleasure considering it's one of my favourite types of interviews, not the specific Desert Island Drake's things we're doing, but the fact I love to be able to come back to bands I've spoken to previously, particularly when the uh, time we spoke is so brief, so jarring and so... I don't know, rushed and adrenaline pumping situation. <laughs> so to be sitting down at home with all you guys, whoever you are, uh, it's wonderful to talk to you again. So we'll go around the room. And basically, how have you been keeping? Starting with you, Charlie. Yeah, um, mostly good. Sort of business as usual since we last spoke, really. Uh, we've been busy. We've been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, personal life's been sort of crazy recently. Um, me and my girlfriend moved in about two weeks ago but on top of that I've had car stuff going on I've had like other stuff it's just been non-stop since last year so um yeah it's nice to like actually calm down a bit but yeah otherwise all good excellent excellent real life stuff I love it okay what we uh kind of uh yeah yeah I'm I'm doing doing good um like Charlie said keeping busy um got a lot of projects that I'm working on so this is quite fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just trying to trying to keep busy. <laughs> it's all you can do, particularly these days. And yourself, Tim? Yeah, good. Uh, what I enjoy about the time between when we last sort of saw you and now is there have been like three moustache cycles before this moustache came back. But to you, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same moustache as it was then, but it's not. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Intermittently <laughs> shaving. Okay, experimentation, finding what works. Yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. So guys, this is uh, this is Desert Island Drinks. We came up with this because it, uh, everyone else has done it, Room 101, basically. But considering we have three legs on our website, games, horror, and heavy metal slash rock music and so on, we thought we'd break it down to that. One nomination from each. Now, we change it up. And it's games and books because not everybody actually plays games or has played games in their life. So after that came up, we said, you know what? Throw books in there as well, a game or a book. So you got one choice each for that to take to a desert island. The same goes to horror movies. Horror is wide varied. What you find scary, what you define as horror, someone else will have a might different view in it. So again, put it this way, we've had Scooby-Doo come up on this. So <laughs> um, yeah. That's the pinnacle of horror movies. <laughs> and of course um record one single record um the secret there's a secret one which comes at the very end and it's simply this we'll get to it at the very end there's one more that we don't tell you about beforehand that we throw out to force you to think about on the spot but before then i would love to be able to say that since uh bloodstock we last spoke everything got back to normal we just carried on and you were gigging and spreading yourself around the world and music was being released and all that but that simply hasn't been the case so you guys as a group have you managed to keep the drive going when everything basically continued after august 2021 continued to basically look a bit crap afterwards yeah it was um the world was a weird place huh? um we've kept busy i think it's fair to say we've had a Definitely. lot of stuff in the pan like even before august we were planning for like the end of the year with a lot of forthcoming singles and music videos and other little projects we're doing so like behind the scenes there's been a lot of stuff that we've been um trying to get into place so short answer yes i think <laughs> yeah i definitely feel like the drive's been um there there's this yeah like charlie said we've we've had a lot of uh a lot of projects that we've set in motion and like yeah basically there's there's a lot to look forward to this year already uh i don't i don't want to say too much but like you know we've got the new uh the new single coming out on the third of june uh we've, we've got a, a bowie compilation that we're part of coming out a bit later in the month so so yeah it's good to hear that it is exciting thing has been going on behind the scenes because of course from the outward facing from a outside perspective sometimes it seems like bloodstock something like that happens something quite achievable happens and anything comes to a dead stop particularly as as much planning as you can possibly do come september it's not like we could actually go right well next week venues are open and you can now start booking your tours and stuff like that and then we've hit 2022 when things are beginning to 
resemble normalcy or whatever that might mean. Um, and still, we now have a backlog of gigs, shows, and festivals booked to the hilt from years of delays. With all of that surrounding you and kind of, I guess, le le uh, weight on your shoulders, what, what's kept you guys going? What's kept you so focused on all this stuff that you've been working on? I think it's been, um, we've, we've been really in the trenches sort of writing new stuff and being excited about the new stuff and looking forward to being able to put that out into the world. And that's definitely for me, and I, I'm sure the other guys has been a real driving force for just keeping everything ticking over until we're able to play these amazing lineups that have been booked for two, three, four years, however long it's been now. Yeah, I'm going to echo that for sure. We, um, we've started playing some of our new songs live at certain shows. Mm. And my God, like, you forget what it's like sometimes, <laughs> like to wheel out a couple of new songs that you're so, so into. And it's just like, well, for me, it's like two different bands almost. It's amazing. Those, those mm. new songs are so like on the button with it and we're having so much fun doing it. So yeah, definitely that, Tim, definitely. Those new songs then uh, that you have willed out live, what's the what's uh, the general reaction been like for people that have uh, had the opportunity to hear them? I think people have been quite um, receptive than you guys think. Yeah, I think overall the vibe's been uh, like really positive and they're a bit more like high energy than our older stuff. So like, I, I think we've enjoyed playing them more, which is sort of, has a, had an effect on the audience like because you know, if they see you're enjoying playing they're going to enjoy like the performance side of it as well as the song as well well that's good to know do you think as well like the sale that exists right now in may 2022 would be the same beast it is had the last couple of years of difficulty kind of occurred i know it's probably an impossible question because who knows but can the development and the forced forced um, hiatuses, if you want, where you're just stuck in lo lockdown and can't really do much except via Zoom and stuff like that. What do you think? I think for me, definitely not. I think I spent a lot of that sort of COVID period, like squirreled away in a hole, listening to podcasts and albums and finding a, a whole new breadth of music that I sort of fell in love with and was inspired by. So I think a lot of the musical direction in terms of what I've written definitely wouldn't be there if we hadn't gone through this sort of weird period of not seeing each other and having to sort of find new and weird ways to entertain ourselves. But also we were we were sharing playlists as well, like new artists. So like we're all like discovering things together, which is I, I think definitely like helped shape that like move towards a different sound. Um, so yeah, like we were using that opportunity to uh to stay connected in that way what about the time aspect of things now oh even between even between like august and now any bands we kind of talk to particularly when it comes to promotions of new releases be an album ep single whatever it might be often talks about time and one of the benefits of this period even still to this day is that they were given more time to be more creative often more time to perfect a track an album an ep and stuff like that is that something you guys have found that you've had more time to really hone what sale wants to be now i spent a good deal of lockdown drunk on <laughs> video calls talking about the battle of stalingrad so i don't know if that applies to me <laughs> i know I, I get what you're saying um i think that like because the world is so fast isn't it um, and if you're just like business as usual, you, you're doing, you're doing, you're doing. I, I think to to a degree, we we have been bought time definitely. But I mean, I kind of wonder if we use the time slightly differently because we sort of had a regroup and a refocus rather than like digging back in and like, oh, we need to tweak this and dot this i and cross this t and whatever. I wonder if we used it in a different way. Um, I think for me, I did. You guys might speak differently, but um, either way, we've come out of it better for sure. I think we kind of work best when we're flying it by the seat of our pants. I think, yes, we <laughs> yeah. definitely were given that time and could have used it more wisely, but um, 
like Charlie says, we've spent it drinking on live stream and um, writing. So yeah, I, I can definitely see why bands have had this amazing opportunity to sort of really knuckle down in the studio, but I don't know whether that's how we work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Embrace the chaos. Mm. Definitely. There's nothing wrong with that because the flip side of, oh, I have this time to perfect things also means if you don't have a deadline, if you don't have a specific point or something to be aiming for, when the hell do you cut it? When do you stop? And that's another aspect we often hear as well. There's been no, no one has got it right. There's been no easy answer. No one has nailed a formula so this worked. And they say it's never done, don't they? Mm. And especially with music, like it never finishes. So yeah, if you don't have that deadline, you could go indefinitely. Yep. So embrace the chaos. It's done when it's done. Ride or die. Yeah, yeah. Send it out into the world. Let it walk on its own two feet and we'll see what happens. All right, guys, and first nominations. We'll go around the room in this one, starting with Charlie. So this is a game or a book. One single video game. It can be anything you want or one book, depending upon your taste. Yeah, okay. So I've gone video game. Okay. Um, I realised that when these questions were forwarded, I was like, oh God, I got, I must've got as far as like 2004 with video games and going, yeah, that'll do. Um, it's Half-Life, the original Half-Life for me. That's my pick. I and keep coming back to it. I, can I swear on this? Of course. I fucking love those games. <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. They're so good. I've got quite a few friends who are like, I just don't get why you're into them so much. I don't know. I just played it when I was younger and something just clicked. Uh, I started with Half-Life 2. And then I went back to the first one. And I was like, oh, God, this is just amazing. Um, it looks very dated now, but then Black Mesa Source exists for that. So it's all good. It's the first time I've heard Half-Life come up in these interviews today, particularly as Gwen Tristan, you said you played Half-Life 2 then um, first and then went backwards, enjoyed that. But I, I take it you're not, because Half-Life fan base, at least from my perspective, and I'm not that big of a fan, can seem a little bit terrifying at times. <laughs> uh, an obsession, a desperation for a third game. I'll take it you don't quite fall into that camp. Uh, I did when I was younger, but then I realised I'd stop being an idiot and just enjoy what you got. So, no, not really. Um, <laughs> I mean, Half-Life 3 would be great, but it'll happen if it happens. I've still got the first two. Doesn't matter. So, yeah. I think as well, if it ever does turn up, it might be a bit of a Chinese democracy uh, situation where inevitably the hype just cannot live up to it. Yeah, I mean, it's been so long coming now, isn't it? It's one of those things where like anything you do will be wrong. Mm. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, like the first two were so brilliant. The story was so riveting that like, yeah, okay. It's left a, kind of an, an open end, but that's fine. That's not all stories need to end i guess and sometimes enough can be left up to imagination to fill in the blanks for yourself who needs yeah. that answer right yeah yeah sure okay kyan you're up right uh i would probably have to pick um no man's sky oh wow um just purely based on i've already sunk most of well most of lockdown into the game um and i've barely scratch the surface like it, it just keeps on giving that's fascinating because going back to literally what i just said there's a game that has uh, that came with so much hype that the then pushback on what the end product effectively was really really caused a lot of anger necessary yeah. in the video gaming world was that something you bought into were you there at the start or was it just something you kind of came to afterwards i so when i first got it i was like so, well swept up with the hype like it's like oh, i have to have to get this have to get this and then uh it's like oh this is this isn't as good as they uh promised it to be but like they've built it up from where it was to what they wanted it to be yeah um and like they, they just keep on like updates and updates and updates and like they're not making me pay for it it's, it's literally like here's here's a new thing to play with like his his space pirates, his <laughs> like haunted spaceships. So yeah, it's 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 great. Like just keep on giving. You know, I haven't played it. It is on my long list of games I must play, but truth be told, the size of it and what you've just described there, what I'm aware I'm aware of, like the ultimate many patches that have come out and updates, has meant it's a very terrifying prospect to get into as a starting point. 
you know um what's your advice then for someone like me who has it wants to play it but is just a bit too nervous to step into that world just jump in just jump in like the the the, the game will guide you and you'll you'll lose your life to it <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm worried about <laughs> um all right tim you're you're up i so i really struggled with this because i stan elder scrolls online till i die i love that game but nothing has a place in my heart like ocarina of time I knew it. it's the it's the best zelda and it will be till the day the number of like sunny afternoons where the like summer breeze would drift through the open door and i'd hear my siblings playing outside and i'd be in there trying to get through the volcano door before i died because i didn't know you needed the red tunic yet i love that game with all my heart was that your first uh, experience with a Zelda game? Yes, absolutely. I find that of, I mean, I'm taking a bold presumption of your age to a certain degree. So I find that with people, uh, um, myself included, that that was also my first entry point into that series as well. Um, and it's certainly a childhood thing, the memories more than anything else. When was the last time, do you still regularly play it? Have you played it in the last few years? I've been meaning to go and like, thieve my n64 from my parents house for ages and i have it i haven't managed to do it but i'm jonesing to play that game again because that would be a fascinating thing then to sort of see how you feel if that magic still exists <laughs> yeah i can i can definitely see that i mean i had all the way through the sort of like gamecube era and wii era i had the little the little disc that had like majora's mask and the original wind waker um demo and I played it on that with the Master Quest or whatever it was called version, which sort of in a way breathed new life. So I'm I'm hopeful. I have enough fond memories. If do you have a Nintendo Switch? No, I don't. My girlfriend's vaguely talking about getting one, so I might just live vicariously through that. Yeah, because if um, that's got like Nintendo Online and you pay a fee and it's got Nintendo 64 games and both Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time are on there now, like basically the N64 version. So it's kind of an easy way to play it rather than just get the N64, hook it up, blow it and, and with those horrible controllers. I can't, I can't, that, I feel like that might be part of it though. <laughs> fair point, fair point. All right, guys, we'll move on then. And of course, now we're talking new single. Emotional, emotional ocean. That is a mouthful. The amount of times I had to repeat and say that to myself today to get that right. I actually reread it wrong several times and kept leaving out one word. Emo, basically. E-M-O in brackets, right? June 3rd, it's out. New single. And look, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but this is an absolute banger. I had it on repeat earlier on while I was doing the dishes. And um, again, not, you know, without being too forward, it was very emotional for me. It made me cry. Talk to us please, one of you or all of you, about the creation of this track? Because it had a hell of a lot of impact on me. This was the one, wasn't it, that, like, Tim, you sort of presented to us. I've written this thing, and, like, we played it. It's like, oh, oh, this is what we sound like. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, th this is a big one. Um, it's so fun. I, th I think it was, like, one where we all just kind of woke up a bit, and mm -hmm. the, you really hear every individual performer on that track and it's the sum of its parts bigger than the sum of its parts blah blah that that whole thing i think is a really good reflection of where we are as a band and i think it's a really good kind of statement piece of what's what's to come definitely yeah definitely definitely it is a really good indicator of where we're heading it was a it was a weird one because i remember i was sat it was during lock first lockdown i was sat there and I was thinking about how the guitarist one of the guitarists for red fang has like a weird tuning where his two top strings are the same note I was like oh I could play around with tuning my guitar to a weird tuning and that's that first opening riff was like the first thing that happened to sort of fall out of that new tuning and sort of from then on I was like this is just kind of a bop I'm loving this so when you were when you did that and you presented so what was your immediate reactions that you can think of the first sort of thought that came to your head was it a sim was it something that um touching an emotional state or was it the admiration for the music was it something like that I can't remember to be honest <laughs> I think it um I think it sort of appeared so we've got like a Facebook chat where we put a bunch of demos up and or did when we were writing yeah um, I think it appeared in that as just 
sort of almost like a footnote like you just uploaded this other video to me like, i've written this thing and it's like oh that's cool but there's so many existed at the time that and as well it was like lockdown wasn't it so like it all blends into one weird homogenous time um yeah i don't know i i can't remember my first reaction to that but it was when we really came together to write that mm. when when we started jamming it it's like oh god yeah this just something about it felt different which is such a cliche thing to say isn't it but like <laughs> four guys in practice room jamming new music enjoys the feeling wow like go figure but it, mean, it was enough you know it was it was news exciting and just so true to us for me I, I, I remember getting like maybe feel a bit nostalgic I don't know why um but yeah sort of had a sound reminiscent of my youth I guess so well that's interesting as well because I mean you, you talk about definitions you talk about defining bands and we like nothing more than to pigeonhole and put bands into those spaces and this is where you belong this is what you sound like and so on how you've had it in the past you've been described as sludgy psychedelic with hooks catchy pop melodies all this stuff that um isn't it's nice to read but does it always say who you are I think you've somehow I think you've made it more difficult now even more difficult on this to define quite what sale is from an outside perspective in the sense of genre thing. And what's quite interesting listening to you guys talk is that you seem so sure of yourselves now uh, based on what you've been doing leading up to this single as much as anything else. So you now have this confusion of, okay, let's all find out what sale are now, but you guys know what sale are. How yeah. have you got to this stage? <laughs> I, it's 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 this weird thing of any band as sort of the sum of their influences and I think more than ever that is being sort of bared out by bands that are coming out these days they're very much going this is an homage to everything I grew up listening to so it's I think I think I mean to me the progression sort of makes sense I guess in my head but it's my life that I've lived that mm. has led us to that sort of state but I think we've sort of thrown away marketability by sort of fitting into a genre and hope that everyone just really likes our music and our live shows. <laughs> it should be said, I mean, it's not like it's a completely different cell. You've not woken up today and decided, oh, you're playing black metal. No, no. That, that would be something. <laughs> Also, few words I think they can go to this track, you know, um, lots of nice quotes that can go on the box art, as it were, from catchy and hooky and all that stuff. But emotion as well, I think it's an important keyword because it's got a lot of that in it. And I guess I kind of want to ask what kind of specific ones you drew from when it came to writing. And is it easy for you to kind of dig when you have to dig like that? This, we're going to get real here. So it came from like, I was, I was thinking a lot about, because we were in the pandemic and it was very much that position of like, you're not interacting with anyone. Um, and because I'm a neurotic son of a bitch, I was thinking about that awful feeling of when, as, as like a young teenage and particularly men do it, you, you get swept up in that sort of romance and then you, go too far and you're getting too desperate and too clinging and too worried that it's not going the way you hoped it would and you end up crossing a line and being the bad guy and how to sort of like qualify that with who I am now where I've learned a lot and I've learned that that's absolutely not the way to be mm -hmm. um so I think it I think it's sort of very much bore from that emotion of feeling shit about being the bad guy in a situation and having to sort of qualify, not qualify, but having to sort of go through that and deal with that and come to terms with the fact that you were that person once, regardless of whether you are now. Incredible, incredible. I think um, a surprising amount of people will, will find themselves relating and understanding exactly what you're saying there. I think probably most of us, right? Mm. I think a lot of people sort of go like, oh, I was a teenager once, Ugh, and look back on the dumb shit you did as a teenager with like almost a repression, but yeah. you still did it. And you, it, it is part of the story that made you who you are, right? 
So yeah, definitely. We all got up to fucking stupid stuff, in, especially emotionally as teenagers. Like, it's just part of growing up, isn't it? Um, so yeah, no, I think like there's there's definitely like, a lot of empathy there for sure. But all about unearthing those kind of thoughts and those feelings and bearing them not just to the world, but to yourself as well. Is that something that you feel is getting easier with age, that you're finding yourself a bit more confident in that regards? I think I think I'm finding it easier because I'm forcing myself to go through that. I think I think it's probably good growth to actually confront some of those sort of repressed feelings and whatnot. Um, I think also like I, I'm close to turning 30 and it is becoming that sort of like who, who, who am I in terms of the sum of my past experiences? Who am I as a person mm. now as a 30 year old technically adult? <laughs> I'm 30 next week. I can very much relate to that. Guys, I'm 38 in three months time. Good You're 21 talk. again for the <laughs> 17th time. Oh, very, very good. I mean, 30 is easy. 30 is easy. <laughs> it's, it's, it, uh, I'm never going to grow up. Never grow up, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so continuing that kind of thought frame in regards to the emotional kind of things, do you think that, and this is for all of you, do you think that the music industry, and particularly our side of things, the rock metal side of things, is in a better place, a good place now, regarding a willingness to open up about these sort of emotions, be deeper ones, other ones that are featured in other people's musics and stuff like that. And also, as Sale, do you feel supported when you do that? I think to the second half of the question, I think, yeah, in that, like, I mean, our, our audience is kind of broad, isn't it? Um, mm. It's not huge, but it's broad. And I think the people that do listen to us are kind of, they like us for the stuff we do as much as like, oh, this music is cool, but also they kind of get the vibe, I think. And I think these are people that, I mean, a lot of them are mates as well, don't forget. And, you know, these are, these are our peers. These are people that we are sort of on a similar level with. Um, I think that's reflected in our music. And I think, the kind of people that would gravitate to a band like us, yeah, kind of do accept that and support that. So from our point of view, nice to see. Mm. Um, it's not, you know, you speak to people at gigs and stuff and folks do seem kind of down to earth and very open nowadays in that regard. So yeah, it's nice, it's good. Yeah, people are definitely like, like these days, a lot more open about where they're at and like how they're feeling. Mm. And, and it's, it's, it's nice that there's sort of that, that space in which people can be more open and um, sort of share their problems and, and emotions, not hide behind them so much. If anybody, if anyone ends up being touched, I suppose, or even a single person gets touched by anything you do, any song you write, however it might be, um, you know, that's the dream, right? Yeah, that's it. Because yeah, record sales and all that's out the window. You know, you can enjoy <laughs> your streams and stuff like that and your likes on Facebook. But uh, yeah, it seems now, now we're almost going back to a more standardised connection with people as to try and uh, make the difference. I think especially at the level we are, like we're, we're grassroots as fuck and like mm. it's so fun being kind of like in that grassroots band. You, you play all these kind of weird venues, <laughs> lots of like eclectic groups of people. But yeah, I mean, isn't that why any of us do it really? You know, you play music to sort of emote yourself, but also to connect to other people. And it's just so cool. It's just so cool and so nice. Um We've played quite a lot in Bristol recently in the basement of the Exchange, and every single show we've ever played there has been amazing. Um, you know, it's not huge; it's a sixty capacity venue, but we've had that place packed, and people going nuts. And afterwards, you're talking to them, and oh, that was just so nice. And it's it's a real kind of um, I can't think of the word now, but like a, a release, you know, not just for us but for them as well. And it, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. So, yeah, for sure. I think yeah. that. I think I think there's there's something to be said as regardless of where 
say I came from writing Emotion, Emotional Ocean, our music is whatever it means to you in the moment you listen to it. And if emo turns out to just be a song you love dancing to whilst doing the washing up and taking tequila shots, then have at it. That's what it's about. Like, more love to you. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. All right, guys, do the second nomination. This is my favourite one. I'll tell you now, it's my favourite one. Horror. And it's one horror movie. So, starting with you, Charlie. Right, so Tim and I, well, all of us, we all had a chat before. We're like, we haven't shared any of these, so we don't know what we're going to pick. But I said, should we? Because I have a pick for this one that I think Tim's going to pick as well. So we've both got backups in case. Right. Um, I'm going with Midsummer. Ah. <laughs> that's what you were going to go with, Kynan, isn't it? It's not what I'm going with. Okay. Oh, this is, I'm this so is going, sorry. This is going to be a director-themed horror movie section. Oh, oh okay. going already. Okay. okay. All yeah. right. I mean, he is an incredibly talented uh, director. So, yep, yeah, like Midsommar. Okay, explain that. Was this something that resonated with you in regards to... Obviously, it's an extremely beautiful movie, but it's also an extremely horrible movie i guess that's the word i'm looking for yeah um kynan have you got a backup because if not you can take this one i have a backup um, I, I don't really have a backup i yeah i tell us about midsummer kynan I'll yeah, do my I, I, I just just like the um just the massive contrast of this like really beautiful like scenery and just like this nice like seemingly nice time that they were having and then like just yeah the brutal aspect of like what was actually going on and like the, the yeah there's, there's like a lot of layers there that I, I had to watch it a couple of times to sort of like really dig into it. Do you find that quite your favourite style of watching horror in that you are forced to think about something potentially but also a one that may not always leave you feeling that good come the end. Yeah, I mean, if, if I if I have to rewatch something, like I I consider that a good film, um, based off off of like, you know, it's it's grabbed me enough to to make me want to dig in and yeah, like the ending doesn't necessarily have to be good like like a, a nice outcome um for it to be that yeah I, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say really um but yeah like it's it's quite savage at the end <laughs> but bear in mind you're on a desert island you're effectively this is the only movie you get to watch over and over again do you think that 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 you could do with that though yeah I reckon so I mean it's um it's heavy but... <laughs> <laughs> like like you do get that that contrast of like oh this is this is really pretty so it's just a really pretty like well shot film sometimes that's good enough all right charlie go on what was your backup then yeah okay so midsummer for all the reasons kylan has said uh my backup again because apparently i'm a dad in a young person's clothing let's let's go back to the 80s mm. it's the thing it's it's the thing I am a nice. huge um, John Carpenter, David Cronenberg fan. That kind of like practical effect, body horror thing is just amazing. Mm. Um, one of my earliest memories is I woke up as a, as a wee boy and walked in. Um, like my dad was watching Alien and I yeah. walked in at the point that the alien burst out of John Hurt's chest. And I think it fucked me up a bit. But like from that moment onwards, I was like, wow, that's so cool. And like, yeah, I came back to the thing of, a number of years later um and the practical effects are so good like i know it's it's kind of like practical effects are very much like a thing of uh 80s and sort of early 90s certainly horror movies definitely but like mm. movie making back then it's very associated with its time but it just looks really cool um as a film it's super like, you know, you wouldn't put it up for any awards for story writing or acting, really. It's not one that's like, wow, this is a not like a Midsummer, you know, where you right. the, the whole thing is so perfect. The thing is rough as fuck. Um, but that's kind of amazing. And also Kurt Russell's in it. So <laughs> absolutely. Win. I, I just love it. I just love it. 
No, I completely get it. Um, we we have like two and a half thousand horror movie reviews on the website overall, and I think less than ten have ever received ten out of ten. One of them is the thing. Yeah, I can but, believe uh, it. You know. I can believe it. Okay, Tim, you're up. So I'm I'm a sadist, and I watch my horror films around Halloween in the pitch black by myself. <laughs> um, and this was one that I had to pause and walk out. Um, it was, a, it, it was a weird slow burn because it came out and no one seemed to take much notice of it. And then in the mm. last couple of years, everyone's gone mad for it. But um, Hereditary, uh, a horror film that taught us that sometimes the scariest thing you can watch is a family having an argument over breakfast. Um, it's just kind of game changing for horror. It's incredible acting that would stand the test of time alongside classic films it's beautifully shot and it's just horrible it's just the most oppressive film I think I've ever sat through um and I'll do it again this year by myself because that's the kind of man I am apparently great choice of words there oppressive were were you an early adopter in regards to what you said yourself that it did kind of come about and get forgotten and pushed to the side for a while. Now it's kind of put up there in the high echelons of what's considered very good, brilliant, modern horror. Uh, no, my, um, my good friend, Jackie, who um, I consider an absolute authority on horror films, put me onto it a couple of years ago, I think around the time that it had its sort of weird Renaissance. Mm. Um, and I watched it and I think I then messaged everyone else that I knew going, don't watch this, but you have to watch this film. <laughs> and you have to tell me when you've got to the bit. Oh, the bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you say the bit and everyone's nodding their heads I'm, and we don't know what the bit is, that speaks volumes, I think. What an incredible hmm. impact. Definitely. All right, guys, back to some more questions then. And this is kind of interesting because I feel like you touched upon this one a bit earlier on when you talked about flying by the city of pants and uh, seeing how things go. So I've been wondering what a typical cell jam recording session and particularly maybe even around um, emo as well. What does this look like and what do you guys do to get in the right headspace? I personally like to shout into guitars. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some context for that because that's a weird thing to say. Um, no context needed. No context needed. I just like to shout into guitars. It's just nice. Um, no, when, when we recorded Emo, um, actually, in terms of the recording process, I thought we were super slick. Um, mm. We sort of knew what we were doing in the round, but there was like enough room in the studio to like play around with sort of extra layers and stuff and try a few different things and what have you. Um, our producer Josh of Stage Two Studios in Bath is wonderful. Um, I think it's important for a band to have a producer that feels like another member of your band, mm. and like because you can really bounce ideas off and all the rest of it. Um, again, man says cliched sort of things about bands, but it's true. Um, yeah, so we were recording emo, and Tim's got this old—is it a Tysco? Yeah, it's Tysco. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Japanese import guitar or something from the 70s. And the, the action is whack and the pickups are super hot. Um, so I, I play a bit of slide guitar and I did this like layer. I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And we, we were doing it and I said like, oh yeah, that's the take. And we listened back to the take and you could hear me say that's the take <laughs> through the guitar because the pickups are so hot. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, there's like three different bits where I used this guitar on the, on the last I just picked up and just yelled into it and we kept it on the take it's it's in the song is me screaming into a guitar and that got me in the mood I'll tell you that <laughs> yeah that was incredible I, I think my the best bit about that was I, I was just like filming your take um just to record it and I, I got this moment where you just screamed into the guitar it's just insane Absolutely insane. You're a madman. Live fast, die young. What about you then, Kaina? What helps you get in the headspace? Um, I I just like I'd been jamming it um for well, well, we've been playing it for ages before we went into the studio, and just like it's it's just a really fun song to play. Um and yeah, just it. 
it builds energy like from the first note um and it just ignites something in me I, I love it yeah it seems like you were, you were very comfortable almost before you even got to that point yeah i, I think like you say kind of we'd uh we've been playing the life out of it before then which helps which does help but also like to touch on like stuff we've said earlier this is a song that really resonates with us so it's like you've got the actual rehearsal side is good but also we just vibe with it and it just makes mm. it easier there's nothing like liking your own music it's very important i think <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't this be a turnout for the books if we said we hated our own music <laughs> Not that I've run into any band or artist who said that kind of thing, but I have had a few where I, particularly when you're talking about music that they've lived with for say six, nine, maybe even longer than that. And they're doing the promotional cycle and they are a bit like, oh yes, these songs again. And they just want that, that kind of attitude. Tim, I'd love to know your headspace though. I think, I think for me, it's all about um, listening to just, the best sing-along songs you can think of on the way down to the studio like getting getting the energy up going into it um seeing whatever ridiculous thing tom has baked for everyone there um <laughs> and just yeah just playing in that space because that it's it's nice when especially with a song like emo where it's not massively complicated you all know your parts well enough that you sort of have that opportunity to relax a bit and really play around with what you're doing and really take the time to sort of go well how do I want this to sound not just can I play this at the tempo that I need to awesome so I've not had a chance to see you guys uh live at say say something like the exchange of Bristol I live in London and it's not come up to this point and I really want to because uh, I keep hearing and uh, keep seeing shaky live videos of the performances and things like that and it seems like it's quite important for you guys to show sale on record is as much sale live that it's not two complete opposite things and that the experiences are wildly different particularly i know this is not an easy task because the energy of a song and energy of an release um may not be the same in the live environment is it something you try and push yourself to do to be able to replicate as much as possible live or do you see them as two very different elements of the band i'll say this um i used to struggle with that a lot i used to think that what was on record should be what was live hmm. um, or the other way around and then like we we sort of talked a bit about it and um it was like no they can be two different things because if you're trying to replicate exactly what's on record live we probably need about 13 band members for all the different bits going on. <laughs> and we haven't got a car big enough for that. Most venues don't have a stage big enough for that. So fuck it. Um, it's the energy of a live show, isn't it? Like a live recording is, is what it is. It's a lovely piece and you can do lots of layers and weird shit and stuff. And that's fun and cool and keeps it as a, as a listening experience really interesting. But a live show is just like getting like the fire in your belly and just expelling it. It's mm -hmm. just going a bit fucking mental for half an hour. It's so, every live show is different. Every live show is unique. So that should be embraced. Yeah, of course, as well. You know, you go to a live show and you've got a crowd that's half asleep. You go to a different city and the crowd are, I don't know, ripping the walls down in excitement, that kind of thing. It's, it feels like it's always going to be different. I don't know. I, I feel like... Um... I feel like recently we've sort of gone to our live shows with an attitude of just play our hearts out. Like whether we're playing to like two people that aren't interested or like a room full of people that, that want to see us. Like we're, we're still going to put like our all into it and they're, they're still going to get like that intense, um, that intense show. Like hope, hopefully win over the people that aren't interested, but. Well, that's the yeah. goal again, isn't it? Um, you said two people who aren't interested. That sounded like, has that actually happened to you? Um, well, so <laughs> some of the shows we, uh, we used to play hmm. <laughs> were in like social clubs or... Oh, like, yeah. This, this, this is going back quite some, yes. quite some. But yeah, um, recently we've been, we've had a really good turnout. Um, yeah, yeah. Despite like, 
the the Rona rearing its ugly head. But yeah, crowds have, have definitely improved. Do you do you think that this um, revitalization of the scene, the desperation for the live music, the def- desperation for the live shows that we're kind of seeing now, and um, the survival of hopefully at least a decent amount of grassroots venues. Do you think this is going to continue? Because you know, apathy could it sunk in before, and you people just weren't turning up and stuff like that. Yeah, it'll continue because once like the people that are going to get apathetic, we get apathetic. But then the people who are just about getting into music are then coming up, aren't they? It's always cyclical. Mm. Um, it's always cyclical. You know, people say like, oh, the scene is dead. No, this scene that you just knew, the, the form you knew it in is dead. There's mm. a new form now. It's just different. Um, yeah, it'll continue forever. Um, I get that there's a lot of concern around it. I, I do. Um, but I, I think, honestly, that where something leaves, another thing will pop up. And especially at the moment where, like, apparently we're living in the Cold War and, like, the music that was coming out in the Cold War, the actual Cold War, it was amazing because it was born of like, well, fuck this government and fuck these people. And like, <laughs> punk came out of the Cold War and all sorts of shit. Um, I think that'll happen again. Like, well, we're already seeing it. We're already seeing it. And, I think, and I think there's, there's a new generation of um, Zoomers who are chomping at the bit to go to gigs. Like, I, th- I think there is a real culture of going out and having a good time that's come back around that is going to sort of fuel the fire of the music scene again. Um, and hopefully those grassroots venues will have a chance to sort of pick themselves up and hopefully some will come back from the dead, um, which would obviously be ideal. We can but hope, we can but hope. All right, guys, third nomination then. This is music, so it can be anything, an album, an EP, a single, a live recording, whatever you want it to be from any genre either. It doesn't have to be stuck in rock and metal. Hell, chances are you're musicians, you'll have a varied taste. So anything and anything goes in this. A, sound, a Disney soundtrack. Charlie, take us away. Cool, okay. I thought it had to be rock, but you saying that has completely changed my thing. Um, <laughs> I was going to pick Live and Dangerous by Thin Lizzy because, I mean, again, dad in young person's clothing. Um, Thin Lizzy, great. Thin Lizzy will always be great. And it was one of the first like albums I listened to. I was like, oh, shit, I want to do that. Um, okay. But no, that's that's gone now. Um, right. It is the greatest hits of the Bee Gees. They can't be stopped. The Bee Gees are unbelievably good. Um, of course. People remember Saturday Night Fever, and that's what the Bee Gees are, but they're mm. actually, genuinely, they're actually so much more than that. Um, they went through a period of being like this really cool soul band just before Saturday Night Fever took over. And like they had songs like Nights on Broadway and stuff. And it's like, wow, this is really genuinely good music. It's so good. They've done so much. Um, and they write a fucking great pop banger. Um, the greatest hits is like 30 songs long as well. So if we're talking Desert Island, you will never get bored. Um, <laughs> I went through a period where that was the only CD in my car, I think for like six months. Um, fuck me, they're so good. I implore everyone to go and listen to the Bee Gees. Um, yeah, that's my choice. That's absolutely my choice. Considering us such a strong reaction to uh, that, um, that album, I have to ask then, for as a musician, elements of the Bee Gees, how, how have you found that influence your, your, your musical journey? Well, yeah, so like I found them as I think everyone finds most music through your parents, right? You start, right. well, what were my parents listening to? And there was Queen and Thin Lizzy and they had this Bee Gees record. Um, and the thing that stuck out to me first this is true with probably everyone, is like, wow, these choruses are amazing. And it just gets you singing. And I think that's the, the, the core take home from like what the Bee Gees were doing then is like, I want to write songs that make me want to sing and make other people want to sing. Um, and I think that's something that like I strive to do in songs, but certainly all of us at the moment, we're all on a bit of a like, sing your hearts out to this chorus kick and I'm so here for it. Um, but they're so inventive as well. They're such an inventive band, even though like it's all disco and cocaine. Like they're genuinely <laughs> a lot of the stuff they did before 
Saturday Night Fever, but that soundtrack as well, and After as well, is, yeah, broadly the same. Mm. But the voice that they're using is such a broad one. There's a lot of different elements, and I like that. I like that in songwriting. You write a pop banger, but you do it different every time. I think that's really sick. Yeah, it's an interesting one for me as a youngster, a teenager. BG's man, stay away from me. That's so uncool. I can't listen to that. You know, I'm 37 now. Different, different story. Uh, and I do find it fascinating. You say you brought up the fact that only the soul stuff was there before, and because obviously the disco stuff is what tends to come to mind. Even the disco stuff is great as well. All I ever think is, you know, the voices and the hair, and that's just awesome. My dad, there's um, there's a photo of one of his passport pictures, and genuinely. Like if you put him next to Barry Gibb on the cover of Saturday Night Fever, they're the same person. So I, I was quite humbled to know my dad was in the Bee Gees. That was great. Amazing. <laughs> okay, then you're up. What's your musical choice? Ah, oh, this is a tough one. Mm. There's oh, so much that I'm like into at the moment alone. Um, I, I've been sort of rediscovering older bands recently. Um, through a, a podcast that we uh, we all listen to, um, shout out Bandspling, um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I'd probably go maybe maybe Do Little by the Pixies or Pixies. Sorry. Okay, okay. What's the appeal of that? I mean, uh, Pixies obviously quite a varied music is the word I think I'd use. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I I used to love the picks. Uh, yeah, I used to love them years ago, and then I sort of sort of got into like heavier music, um, sort of very into my death metal, mm. and sort of that alt rock um, sort of fell to the wayside a bit. But recently, I've been really, really like going back to sort of my early days of, of enjoying. Sort of obscure 90s music. <laughs> um, That's what, again, they're a great band as an example of, oh, this is the song that everybody knows, but there's so much more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not on Doolittle, but one of my favourite songs by Pixies is uh, Vamos, and it's just absolutely absurd. It's just, just noise for half of it. But the uh, the bass and the drums just keep this consistent rhythm going throughout the entire song, and yeah, it's a perfect piece. But as an as an entire album, I, I think Doolittle's got me. Just like like you say that there's this variety there as well. Like one song to the next isn't like the same, but it's still the Pixies. Yep. Like yeah, they they have that effect. Like the music is so varied, but you can still tell it's them. Great choice. I love it already. We've had Bee Gees, we've had Pixies. Tim, what can you bring? So I was I was going to pick something classic, but seeing as the other two have sort of gone for classic ones, I'm actually going to go with um, an album by a band called Dogleg, which is Melee, which is their debut album. They're a sort of Midwest American post-hardcore band. Um, and it's sort of going into this, I was trying to think of what, what albums have I just had on the whole album on repeat recently. And I just keep going back to this album. It's so beautiful, but so like angry and Ooh. messy all in sort of one. There's something about that sort of like folksy mid West American, like hardcore sort of almost your Nirvana elk of grunge that just does it for me. And they do it so beautifully on that album um and i also love that they don't care about naming songs i think they have a song on the album called war turtle <laughs> after the pokemon they just <laughs> they do not seem to care um and i'm here for it <laughs> i don't think i've heard of this band um could you describe them as post-hardcore as the, the genre specific and there are a lot of post-hardcore bands these days is there something you can pick out specifically that say, uh, you've got to sell it to me, basically. I'm a person. <laughs> never, uh, I haven't heard of this band and I want to go listen to it. Why should I? Um, they're, they're almost like a more sort of melody driven um, touche amore. Um, there's that real like 
American twang to like that hard, mm. hardcore sound that's sort of matches up that almost like on the plane singing hymns with just heavy angry guitars um almost delving into like math rock in some of their bits because I, I think there's some guitar sort of main bits that are just solid tapping but it's just it's messy and somehow catchy even though I've got no idea what he's screaming at me for half of it um they did some live sessions I think they might have done a KEXP and they're well worth watching because they're just fantastic so well, I've got a drive to work in like an hour <laughs> um and it's about a 40 minute drive so perfect I'll put it on definitely do fully recommend all right guys last couple of questions we've already been at this a while but it is what it is and then the secret nomination so basically and i feel like you're kind of gonna say no to this one but i've got to ask it anyway is this single part of a bigger picture that you can talk a bigger picture that you can talk about or potentially at least drop some hints so okay see what you guys want to say to this um interesting you should say no carl because i like i would have said sort of but like it's a standalone single mm -hmm. but in terms of a lot of the stuff we've talked about it represents something bigger for this band yep like this is very much a like hey here's kind of like the prologue to what's about to come yeah um we sort of have our roadmap it's like not a properly mapped out thing but we know roughly what we want to do and when um and without knowing it at the time i think emo sort of became the prologue for this next bit and mm. um, Tim said earlier, you know, we've been in the trenches writing um, and we have, we've got like a suite of songs that will become an album at some point. And I think that for me, like, I think it started with emo, definitely. Yeah. Um, you guys might agree, disagree, whatever, but like in that regard, I think emo could be said to be part of a bigger thing. But in terms of a release, yeah, it's just a single, but it's a really fun one. <laughs> Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, this is where we need like a stern, I need someone sternly pointing at me saying, no, don't leak everything. Because <laughs> I just I just want to say what's, um, yes, sensible Charlie put it sensibly and didn't say everything that's going on. But yes, it's, it's a stepping stone towards releasing an album that fits that sound a bit more, I think. Listen, guys, I've become masters of cutting interviews apart uh, when people say things they're not supposed to. And uh, I check with PR, so don't worry too much about that. That's why I almost preempt the question by saying, look, chances <laughs> are you're not going to be able to talk about this. But hey, you never know, you might. <laughs> what about pressure then? And this comes from Bloodstock 2021, particularly capitalising on that, because it's fair to say that as of right now, it's a big deal, arguably the biggest deal that sale had done to that point but that we do not consider that the mountain climbed at all have you been have you been feeling pressure to kind of follow up on this absolutely i i we when we when it was announced that we'd got through metal to the masses and we were playing bloodstock i think one of the first things i said to everyone was like this can't be we can't be one of those bands that plays Bloodstock and everyone goes, oh yeah, they played Bloodstock, yeah. but what happened after that? I would come back from the grave to stop that <laughs> happening. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of pressure to sort of build from that rather than lose from it. Yeah, I definitely think we are, we, we've, we've looked at it as an opportunity to, to expand like our, our fan base and build on top of what we've already worked so hard to make. So it's, it's yeah, it's an opportunity to, to build yourself up further. So I don't think we're going to sit on that opportunity lightly. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like we have sat on that opportunity lightly. I definitely feel like we've started to get a bit more traction building ourselves up and hopefully this release will will help with that yeah it's a long slow process sometimes isn't it and like i certainly feel quite impatient sometimes about <laughs> us being able to do the next bit um yeah basically what you guys have said is bang on playing bloodstock was such a monumental thing like if that's your peak if that's what you do you have just thrown away the opportunity of a lifetime. 
make hay while the sun shines. Bloodstock is a shining sun in that regard. Make your hay. Write your sick songs, release your cool albums, go on your tours. It is fun to hear you talk as well about slow process and that fact that things can feel like they take forever. Because even here, we're sitting there talking on the 10th of May. It is the 10th of May today. And uh, so we're still a good few weeks away from the release of the single. So it'll come around soon enough, right? The way this is going, it'll be here tomorrow. So, yeah. yeah. There is that. It's very exciting to hear as well um, what you've been sort of dropping hints and suggesting and talking about what the future might hold and what this song represents and what comes after. That is awesome stuff. But what else might the rest of 2022 look like? And I'm kind of talking on the live show aspect here more than anything else. Plans that you might have or hopes really more than anything else. I want to play everywhere all the time <laughs> more, more gigs yeah i've got a taste for it now we've had like three this year and i've got a taste for it bookers for gigs we will play in your basement we want to play in your basement i'm itching as you are tim to do like a living room show let's play a fucking house party let's show up and play someone's house party let's do it. yeah i want um garden parties like the um I can't remember what his name was, but he used to put on punk shows sort of in the days of Young Green Day. And it was just in like his parents' garden. And it was this massive thing that everyone went to. Oh, Queen's Jubilee's coming up. This busy weekend there. Just get out in the street. That's it. How, there we yeah, go. Yeah, street party. <laughs> put up some Union Jacks, sailor playing. Why not? Job done. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like it's fair to say that we, probably every band ever says this actually, but we don't have as many gigs booked as we like definitely mm. um our focus this year for a lot of it has been getting on this like next bit sorted we've been there's been so much behind the scenes stuff going on but gigs where it happens definitely um we'd like more it will come yeah. i think there's a lot that's going to happen certainly post emo and then post the sort of album happening i think we're really going to just go beast mode for it it'll be good and long overdue <laughs> yeah i can't wait man it's simple enough to follow along people sell social media everywhere you can find them it's very very easy to find them yeah yeah uh, last bit guys then secret nomination and this is really straightforward don't think about it too long and even though you're musicians don't always go to necessarily to the answer that most musicians feel like they have to secret nomination is basically this one item you think you cannot live without so we'll start with you charlie Oh shit. Um one item. My heart keeps the blood going. <laughs> if I don't have that, I definitely die. Is that an item? <laughs> That's probably not, is it? That's not really what you're asking. Um oh fuck. I don't know. Um like I know you said not to think too long, but now I'm like my bed. I need that to sleep, but I can sleep most places. Um Better I have a bike. I enjoy my bike a lot, but it's not a bed. <laughs> um i have i don't know if you can see this that's all lego in there i'm a big collector of lego but i could probably live without that okay to be honest um i don't know my bed i'm going to my bed i'd probably struggle without that yeah at least you have a comfortable place to sleep rather than on a pile of leaves you're on an island yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly god and what about you um yeah that's that's hard because I'd love to say my uh, my mocha pot because I love strong coffee, but ah. I realise I'd need coffee. But this always comes up. I swear to God, this always comes up. Is that no matter what it is, um, be a, a game or something like that, I always got asked extra questions. Do you have internet? Do we have this? Do we have that? And we just gave we just gave up and went, yeah, you bloody do. Yeah, whatever you want, internet. <laughs> so yes, you've got to bring a coffee pot, you can bring the coffee as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So that, that would be my pick. Uh I basically live off of coffee these days. Yeah, I completely get it. I'm a coffee in my veins guy as well. Tim, you're the last one then. What you bring? I mean, uh, I mean, like it's it's definitely a guitar, but I want to give a special shout out to the spice stairs that my girlfriend made me, Ooh. which I will show you. They're just stairs of spice. Oh, that's kind of amazing. That's the name of the spice on it, and it's the best <laughs> thing that anyone's ever made for me, and I use it in cooking always. But I I would go out of my gourd if I didn't have a guitar to just play when the voices get too loud. So it's a guitar. 
Love it. Lovely, guys. Lovelies. Guys, that's it. We're at the very end. This is where we sail off and leave you to your own devices and what you brought with you. Sail. Tim, Charlie, Kainan, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been massively appreciated on my end. Yeah, thank you, Carl. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Thanks so yeah, much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?